our family didn't have family vacations. We didn't go to the beach in the summertime. You know, we, we, we wrestled. You know, I don't think I did anything that no one can do or else I wouldn't have done it. It's almost like I was more excited for him to win than, 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 I, than I cared about me winning. You know, that was when I really, truly understood that you can't get on that podium without being a well-rounded wrestler. Wrestling is just like one big puzzle. There's like a counterattack to every attack that the opponent has, and it's just fun trying to like figure everything out. I really love to watch freestyle wrestling. I watch it, you know, almost every day. I'm watching Russians and Iranians. And I think you had some uh, pretty good questions, pretty in depth. Only fault was it I thought I could pin everybody, you know. So going into the semifinals, I didn't really have a game plan. It took me a couple of years to really recognize uh, just what I had actually done um, and how really rare that, that is. I was like super, super, super intense. All I cared about was wrestling. For 17 years, it was like, it was what I was training for, you know, and this is potentially my last tournament. It's like, this is it. It's like eight mile, like you only get one shot. I felt like you took what was mine. You know, and um, I was trying to take what was his, so just kind of how things go. Welcome to episode 17 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Earl Smith. Before we go any further, I have to apologize profusely to everyone out there. Sudden History has been on a two-week hiatus. I certainly did not plan for that to happen, but that's kind of just the way it goes. I can make a thousand excuses why we didn't have a show or two, but you don't care. We're all wrestlers. We don't care about excuses. Well, we're back now. We have a great guest lined up, so let's just jump into it. Today we welcome Philip Simpson to Sudden History. He was the first and only three-time All-American for Army in the 2005 NCAA runner-up. Thank you for joining us, Philip. Thanks for having me, Earl. All right, I'll start with a question I ask a lot of our guests. When and why did you begin wrestling? Yeah, um, so I uh, grew up in a wrestling family, um, my dad is a uh, teacher and a coach, and so as well as my my uncles, uh, a couple of uncles and a couple of uncles that were very involved through officiating. So from the time I was born, I was <clears throat> immersed in the in the that culture through my family, and then I was uh, given a uh, lifetime partner in my brother Patrick, who was born 15 months uh, after I was. So we grew up wrestling in our house and on the carpet. And uh, whatever spare corner uh, we could find uh, on mats and tournaments and things like that, while we uh, traveled with my dad, and so we were always constantly around it. And uh, so I, I guess I didn't know any better, didn't know anything different other than wrestling. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, do you come from a family with a military background? Uh, as you mentioned, you and your brothers attended and wrestled for West Point. You know. Uh, I did uh, to one extent. My both my grandfathers served in the military. Uh, one grandfather served in World War II, um, and then my other grandfather served in the Korean uh, conflict. Um, and so, I, I didn't know a whole lot uh, growing up about that. They, they, that generation didn't um, talk about it openly, um, and so I knew they both had served, but I didn't know, you know, really any of the the stories. Didn't have any of that context, and it wasn't until I. Um, was uh, recruited by uh, Coach Chuck Barbie uh, at the time. He had just uh, he had been the assistant coach at Oklahoma, 
University of Oklahoma, and then he, um, which is where I met him during a uh, summer for one of their camps, and then when he got the head coaching job at West Point, he called and and uh, just talked with him. I was very interested. I didn't have any real exposure uh, outside the, the fact that I knew my grandfather just served, but uh, but it was very different, very new. I never never grew up thinking that I would be in the military. That's for sure. And so as a high schooler, what attracted you to wrestling for Army, and were you heavily recruited by other schools? As uh, Tennessee isn't always known as a wrestling hotbed, you know, though you did have national-level credentials. Yeah, uh, first off, yeah, Tennessee for sure has not had uh, maybe some of the reputation that other, other states have, although we, we, have, we have definitely gotten better. Um, during my uh my class, actually, we had a very, very good, talented uh, group of wrestlers in Tennessee, um, some that went on to wrestle at Oklahoma State um, and uh, Nebraska. And so we, we had a, a, a few really talented wrestlers in my group, but we were not heavily recruited until probably the very end of our senior year. So for me, one of the things that, that really kind of attracted me to West Point was, was one, the coach. <clears throat> I knew Chuck Barbie from, um, like I said earlier, I, I spent – my summer of my uh, going into my senior year, um, saved up my money and went to the Oklahoma Gold Camp, um, and he was the assistant coach there at the time, and uh, so I got to know him um, through that camp and really liked his technique and 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 really enjoyed getting to know him, and then he got the job at West Point, the head coaching job, and so he called me, and at the time I was, you know, I was high five and I thought I was you know being recruited by Oklahoma, until he told mm-hmm. me he was going to he was now at West Point, and I just kind of went huh? <laughs> you know, it was a little bit like, uh, okay. Um, well, that's not what I thought, but, uh, so my, my, um, knowledge on West Point was, you know, probably like many had this idea that people were just doing push-ups and running around all day. I had no perspective on that, but as he began to talk to me and, and recruit me, I started looking into it more. And, and, and that was probably the first time I realized the um, the special bond that, that I would have with my grandparents um, through the military when, when I told them that I was thinking about West Point, you know, both of their eyes kind of lit up. And, and, and that was when I realized kind of how big of a deal it was. And so mm-hmm. through that recruiting process, I knew that it was something special and I really wanted to give it an honest effort. So I got to go up there and visit with the cadets and, and uh, got to see what day-to-day life was. And I was surprised it was, it was not as, as drastic as I had pictured it in my head. Um, they were all very, very sharp, mature, um, and, and seemed like they, they understood and had an idea of where they wanted to go in life, and they were very driven. So I kind of, I think I was attracted to that, um, and, and uh, just just from a, you know, a type A personality where I wanted wanted to go to a place where I could I could be challenged and thrive in an environment that that wasn't just based off and, and revolving around wrestling, but you know, academic part as well. And also just my overall development as a person; those were very important to me. Um, and so I knew that I could get that at West Point. I was recruited a little bit to um, to, to schools early on, Cornell, um, a little bit by Nebraska, but but probably the one that that I was recruited the most that that was uh, also I was interested in was uh, University of Missouri at the time. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I just I just knew that I wanted to be in that environment and wanted to wrestle for uh, Coach Chuck Barbie, and so that was kind of how, what led me there. And um, apparently, I, did, I didn't speak uh, too badly of it because because my brothers Patrick and William um, followed suit and joined me uh, closely after. Mm-hmm. 
and you started to touch on it. Uh, for those of us who have had the traditional college experience, how does life at one of the service academies differ from that on a day-to-day -day basis, and what are some of the extra challenges you may encounter? Yeah, it, it's definitely very different. Um, you know, I, I got to see that the, the second I was up there, you know, it was very fast-paced. Um, your day is very regimented, so, you know, you know you have a lot of things going on in the day, but you know where you're supposed to be. And, uh, and you, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's, I guess the best way to do it is just fast pace. So there's a lot of things that you're juggling. You, you know, you got uh, formations in the morning and you got meals. Everybody has to eat together, which was really cool. And then you have your classes. And then you, after your classes, you have your, your sports, your act, athletic, um, you know, uh, practices or, or whatnot. If you weren't a varsity athlete, you had to participate in intramurals. So, Everyone was doing something all the time up till about, you know, five or six o'clock after dinner. And then everybody would, would get to their rooms and study or go to the library. And so, you know, it, it's very regimented, I guess, from one, one perspective. Um, but for me, I, I enjoyed that. I liked that. You know, everybody was doing, doing you know, doing something. And so it didn't feel, you didn't feel any different. Um, everybody was kind of going through the same thing. And so, you developed a lot of really close friendships uh, because of that, I believe, because you got to know a lot of your classmates and, and your teammates. And if you're on club, you know, um, events, you, you got to know them really well because you spent a lot of time with them. Um, so from, from that perspective, you know, uh, life was definitely uh, a lot, lot easier probably um, in that world and that environment compared to, to other places. But, like I said, when, when you're going through it with a bunch of, um, you know, other people and everybody's doing the same thing, you, you don't feel different. Um, so during that time, you just get to be really close, closely knit with, with the group of people you're going through with. I know that was a long answer to part of your question. What was, what was the other um, part of that? Um, just what are some of the extra challenges that you may encounter um, compared to the normal college experience? Yeah. So, so the other part of that, I guess, you know, when you're, when you're going through that as a normal cadet, you know, everybody's going through the same thing, but to add on, you know, to be competitive in, in a division one sport, that, that is a little bit of a challenge. Um, and I think it takes us a, a unique special person to be able to balance that load. Um, mm -hmm. you know, because you, you have a lot of pressures to, to do well, um, in both, you know, your act your academic life, your military life, um, and from an athletic perspective, participation is very important. But but to to try to be you know competitive at a Division One level, it can be challenging. But it just requires you to to be driven and to you know be able to manage your time well. And for me, I was just so competitive. I you know losing was not was not going to be an option for me. So no matter how much I had on my plate, it, it just wasn't something that I I was willing to accept. And so I just found a way to 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 get extra workouts in or to, to manage my time where I could get more rest. And so you just have to, you have to be very driven and competitive, I think, to, to be able to, to juggle all those things that, that the Academy will place on you. But it's very, it's doable if you have the right mindset. Mm -hmm. So uh, early on in your freshman season, did you have a win or even a close loss? Just uh, you know, some sort of moment led you to believe that you were, really going to be able to compete with the best collegiate guys in the nation? Um, I think there wasn't, there wasn't one particular moment. I, I thought I could compete with them right off the bat. Um, I, that probably goes back to me being very competitive. Um, 
I wanted to, 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 to win right away. And so I, I do think there were like little small moments where I, I realized um, what it would take for me to be able to achieve what I, I thought. And, and maybe that was um, not necessarily like, oh, wow, I can do this moments, but more like, okay, I know I can do this, but this is what it's going to take. These are the guys I have to beat on a consistent basis to do that. One was Nate Parker. He, he wrestled for Oklahoma. He had just transferred, I think, from Penn State, and he was ranked ninth. Mm-hmm. And it was my first tournament of the year. And uh, and I, I was wrestling against Oklahoma, so I knew some of the guys on the team. And Coach Spade, so I, I knew him well. And that was, you know, Coach where Coach Barbie had been. And we were wrestling in the Constellation Finals of the Brockport, Oklahoma tournament. And, um, and he, I got to feel how quick and strong he was, how athletic. You know, and he was a very mature college kid. And I'm coming in at 18 years old. And I was, you know, kind of a late bloomer anyways. So I could – feel right away how you know how difficult it was going to be but I ended up you know um, pinning him getting on top and pinning him which I was you know a, a known to be a top rider so that was kind of a I knew I could win but I, I knew I was going to have to improve my my feet um, my ability to score on my feet and then as the season grew on and I worked on that I, I beat an all-american from Wisconsin I'm forgetting his name right now um, and that was at the Virginia duels and that was kind of a um, where I realized how gritty and how tough I had to be. I couldn't just rely on, on my top work. Um, and so that was kind of another moment. That was right after Christmas. So that, that's, you know, kind of a tough period for a freshman. You know, you're coming back. You're, you know, you're, you're the season's long and wearing on you. And then, you know, you just finished up with your exams, those kind of things. So I, I think for me that was when I had to really understand the grit that it would take for me to compete. And then I put myself in a position to, uh, to, to you know, be in the finals at the EIWAs and, and the, the guy that I competed with against a couple times that year, Mark Conley, there's a Naval Academy guy. He was mm-hmm. ranked uh, one in the nation for, for a couple of weeks. And he was right there in the, you know, top two or three all year long. And I lost real, real close matches with him where a couple of them I was actually winning and, and uh, he was able to, um, to, to come back in the end of the matches. And so that, that was one of the ones where, I think it, it ate at me because I knew I, I could beat him. I just didn't. I hadn't reached the level of consistency that I needed to. So I think it was small moments where it wasn't like, aha, I can win. It was more like, ah, this is what I have to do to win. And so it was a lot of growing up my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And that freshman year, uh, you earned the 10 seed at Nationals and fell in the round of 12 to a senior, Chad Erickson, in Minnesota. And it ended up yes, being sir. the only year in which you didn't make the podium you know, talk about your first experience wrestling in the NCAA tournament and, you know, ending with a one-point loss in the round of 12. Yeah, that, that, that's funny. Out of all the, the, the years I think about my uh, experience in the NCAAs, that year actually was, was, was very uh, – well, it was one of my better memories. Um, it was very emotional because I, I, I really fell in love with college wrestling when I was in eighth grade and, and um, a family friend. Um, Mr. Pat Nalen, uh, and, and uh, drove me up to Pennsylvania where they had the NCAAs. And um, I remember watching that and just being just uh, fell in love with it and was like, that's where I want to be. And so my freshman year was up in, in Albany, New York, and uh, there was a lot of historical things around that that uh, NCAA tournament. That was Kel Sanderson's, um, you know, senior year, and he was going for yeah. four years undefeated. So there was a lot of excitement built around that and, and – you know, and so for an 18-year-old, I think I was 19 at the time, 19-year-old freshman coming into that, having sat up in the nosebleed sections for a number of years, 
and being, you know, weighing in next to some of these guys and watching these guys, it was just like, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a, you know, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Um, this is crazy. And it just was emotional, you know, having my family up in the stands chanting army. So it was just a really, really good experience. I lost a match in the second round that, that I, I felt like I, I really shouldn't have. Um, but I think that, you know, that grittiness that I had to learn in, in the middle part of my, the year paid off as I kept pushing through the tournament and kept beating other guys. And, and, uh, you know, I just, my competitive nature, I wanted to win. I wanted to win. And, and once I got to wrestling, I, I didn't get overwhelmed by the moment. And then when I got to the uh, round of 12, you know, it was, again, it was another match just like any, and I was wrestling Chad Erickson. I knew he was, he was, you know, a good wrestler. I'd, I'd watched him when I was in, I think he was a freshman when I was in like eighth grade. I remember watching him against Iowa, and, and so I, I knew who he was, and it was kind of crazy me wrestling this guy. And we, it was a great match, and, and it ended up, you know, the last few seconds we got in a scramble, and I was trying to get behind him, and I got behind him, but he was still holding on to my leg, and so I couldn't couldn't quite get it. And I just remember being heartbroken because I, I really had put myself in a good situation, and, uh, you know, I, I, I you know I, I knew I could have won that, and, and, you know, I'd planned on it. And that was, that was a really, really tough moment for me because I I worked so hard through the tournament to get myself back in that position and I I was just so close so close um and uh, I remember that I, that really was what drove me throughout the the summer um and and the my sophomore year to to continue to train hard and that gave me kind of the background of you know uh, of of what that year looks like so that, I think that propelled me um moving forward but that was for sure uh, I think about it all the time because I felt like there was a lot of matches that were close that I just kept gritting out in that tournament. And I was, you know, probably my toughest tournament I wrestled, you know, mentally and physically in my college, uh, throughout my college career. And you talked about that sophomore year. You came into the Nationals that year as the eight seed, losing only to the eventual champion, Tion Ware, in the quarters. And after that, you battled back to get third. You beat a host of studs. Zach Esposito, Aaron Holker, Scott Moore, and most of those were not even that close of matches. Uh, you know, what are your recollections from that run in 2003? Yeah, that was probably my most fun turn, fun NCAA tournament. Um, and uh, like I said, my freshman year was probably the one where I, I probably showed the most grit and toughness. This one, I really was. I knew all year long that I belonged to be up there, and I knew where I needed to be. I had some issues with my weight cutting throughout the year. It's, you know, obviously, it's a little bit harder to cut weight at West Point. Um, you have to go to Mills. You have to sit down, and you know, you don't get options for, for some of that. They've changed some of these things nowadays, but but at the time, that's kind of what I was going through. And it was just it was just tough for me to get my weight down. I, I kind of hit a growth spurt there. I think between my freshman and sophomore year. And so that that really played into my the, the year long, where I, I knew I was better than a lot of these guys. I just hadn't put it together. And so going in as the eighth seed, I knew I was I knew I, I belonged to be up there in, in the top, um, you know, top two or three. I thought I was going to make the finals. And so um, you know when I wrestled Scott Moore, I believe it was the first round, and uh, you know I, I really peaked at the right time, and uh, and I just you know, d- demolished him. I, I was all over him and, and I believe I had teched him and then pinned him, uh, in that match. And, uh, and it just kind of, my confidence was really high. I'd been to the NCAAs before I knew what I needed to do to, to, to win. And I just kind of got on a roll where, where I was very confident, um, that, you know, what I was doing, I had a good game plan 
and really the only one that I, that I obviously I didn't beat was Tion Ware, and um, and he was just a phenomenal athlete that, uh, you know, they pulled him out of red shirt kind of in the middle of the year, so I hadn't seen him a whole lot, but um, but he was just a very uh, good bottom wrestler. He got to his feet really, really well, and so that was the thing that I, I couldn't keep him down. I always felt like if I'd have kept him down, I think I would have been able to score some near fall and open up the match, but I just couldn't get couldn't keep him down and to his credit he was just a phenomenal athlete and and uh really you know worked hard in that match to 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 get to his feet um so even after that loss that which was in the quarters i you know i i I had that sting from last year where i lost in the round of 12 and i was determined i wouldn't get a lose again in the round of 12 so tion at the time was was the number one seed and then jack esposito was the number two seed i believe and he got upset in the uh, mm-hmm. um, yep. in the prelims by uh, Shane Coonan from West Virginia, and so that ended up throwing him back in the um, the consolation bracket with me. And I knew he was tough, and I knew he was a stud, and and, and had watched his matches throughout the year. And uh, and so that that match was, I think, more of me being so determined not to to have what happened to me, you know, the previous year. And again, I, I I got on top, and I was able to score some points, and I just opened the match up, and I just kept working hard towards it. And uh, and after that, it just it just felt like you know every match I was just you know continuing to to, to have my confidence at a high level and and just you know out wrestling a lot of these guys that good great wrestlers in positions where you know you know if if it goes their way it's a different match but I was winning those positions and I was getting on top and scoring points and I just remember after every match when I'd win I'd look up to the section and they'd be chanting you know army and I'd see all my family and and friends and it just was a very fun experience for me because I was winning and I was winning big and uh and and I just had a lot of confidence in that tournament okay so so I came across a story I have to hear more about after that season placing third at the NCAA championships you had a freak injury of sorts which gave you a concussion was this something that uh, affected you uh going into the next season and just uh you know, yeah. talk a little bit more about that situation it, it sure did so it was it was it was a, uh, about a month or two after um the ncaa's and we were training for freestyle and i was getting ready to go to the world junior Felos, which were in chattanooga and i was actually walking to the training room which was located below the baseball field and and um and, and actually that uh one of the baseball players hit a, a foul ball and uh and i was talking to one of my Spanish instructors, I, I didn't see the ball coming and it hit me right in the, the temple area, temple area of my, of my head. Um, it did knock me out, but it did knock me to the ground. And, uh, it for sure, you know, was, um, you know, dazed me a little bit. And, uh, I had the feel of tournament just two days after, and I, I didn't think anything of it. And then when I went, I wrestled my first round down there, uh, in the field tournament. And, uh, I, I could tell something was really, really, really off. Um, I, I didn't have, didn't feel like I had any energy. My balance was really off. Uh, I felt kind of sick to my stomach, and and so after coming off the mat, I had talked to a trainer and was telling him, like, you know, I don't, there's something wrong. And so they they were asking me questions, and then it kind of came up that I had had a head injury a couple of days before. So I went and got checked out, and and uh, it was determined I had had a concussion. Um, and you got to remember, this is in 2000, and you know, I believe. Uh, three 2003 so there wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot of concussion protocol um diagnostic oh, yeah. you know it wasn't a baseline for those kind of things and so um you know the, obviously i didn't get to wrestle that finished that tournament and, and went on to you know um spin off season you know wrestling and lifting 
And then at the beginning of the next season, I'd, I'd grown a lot again, and I was up to one, you know, roughly 157, and I was solid. I was strong. I felt great. You know, uh, I was cutting just a little bit of weight, but not a whole lot. And in the Las Vegas tournament, I was wrestling, I believe, B.J. Wright, um, Nebraska wrestler, who was really, really tough. Um, and he had my arm trapped on on the side that he lifted and, and planted me. And at the time, I, you know, I, again, I didn't think anything of it. I finished the match. I think I measured him. Uh, and then after the match, I, again, I, I didn't feel right. And then I wrestled in the semis of the, that's the Cliff King tournament um, in Las Vegas. In the semis, I wrestled, um, uh, Burleson from Missouri and, uh, and, and I knew that I was way better wrestler than him. And, and he just, he beat me pretty solidly. And I just felt like I, I, I couldn't, uh, wasn't moving right. Just didn't feel right. And so, you know, after later, the next morning I woke up and I still wasn't feeling right. And they, you know, asked me some questions and did some tests on me and, and they had determined then that I had a concussion. And, uh, so that was my second one within a year. Um, so I, I ended up taking a week or two off from that. And then, um, I got another minor concussion, um, when I was up in Oregon wrestling. And so, you know, again, at the time I, I didn't, don't think I documented that third one and I didn't know any better. I just knew that, it, that there was something wrong. And, um, and so they had to develop a special headgear for me. So if you look at any of my pictures during my, my junior year, I have a big old pad on the top of my head. So the, mm-hmm. the, so the trainer um, that was with us, Jason Subi, had been the trainer for uh, at Iowa University of Iowa when Lincoln McElroy had some, I think, concussion issues, and so he basically designed the same type of headgear for me to use. Um, but during all that year having those concussions, I had to had to step off the mat for a number of times. I started losing a lot of weight and had a lot of problems trying to get get that back on. And I was lifting hard. I was trying to do everything I could, um, but, but I, I just you know. And I didn't feel right, didn't feel right that entire year. Um, and so kind of going into the NCAAs, um, I, I still felt like I, I was going to win the tournament. My confidence level was high, um, but I was way underweight um, at that point. And, um, and, uh, and it just was, uh, you know, I, I wrestled well in the NCAA tournament at the beginning, well, well enough to, to, to keep advancing. I wrestled, I think, um, uh, Travis Paulson and then uh, um, in one of the, matches and it was a close match i ended up winning and then i wrestled matt gentry and uh you know we got in a a a fantastic scramble where i had him in a peterson he had me in a cradle and he ended up rolling me to my back and and then he just held me for the entire first period and so it was hard for me to come back from that after that match i think a couple things happened um that was probably my most disappointing tournament i've ever wrestled in um regardless of level um because i think at that point i knew what had taken me to get to third place the year before mm-hmm. and that was a that was one of the probably the toughest weight classes um in the tournament and, and for probably many years um it was a fantastic weight class a lot of great competitors um and uh you know we had uh, johnny Hendricks was in there the paulson was in there matt gentry was in there um a kid from ohio uh percival was in there okay. and uh, the michigan guy I'm, I'm forgetting his name um was that Bertine? Uh, Bertine, Brian yep, Bertine. that's right, Bertine, yep. And and then we had Alex Turpelli was in there, so it was a loaded weight class. And uh, mm-hmm. and I knew you knew coming back. I just you know I think for me I was just so mentally drained because I thought I was going to win it, and uh, and I just didn't have you know wasn't where I needed to be physically probably for that tournament. And uh, and then mentally after that I was for sure not there. And so 
I, you know, I, I did what I had to, to to be an All-American that year, but it was a very disappointing year for me um, from from a from a number of levels. But uh, but that definitely was not a good experience having those concussions, and 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 you know, it wasn't why I think I lost, but but it definitely didn't play in in a, you know a good health healthy year for me. That didn't help me from from any standpoint. Yeah, so I was going to ask about your uh, weight shifting because you went from 41 to 57, then 57 back down to 49. So was it health-related at that point when you well, said I, you were, uh, yeah. you said you were uh, getting lighter at the end of the year? It, it, I was. So I went from 141 to 157, and like I said at the beginning of my, my junior year, I felt very strong and very confident, and my weight was up. And then as the season progressed and through the injuries and not being able to work out, I, I lost a lot of that. And then by, you know, by the time the NCAAs were rolling around, I was underweight, you know, I was under 157 and I was trying to put weight on. Um, and so I think that just kind of made up my mind that, you know, um, it's easier for me to lose weight than try to gain and keep weight from that experience that year. And I knew that I'd be able to make 149 um, and, uh, and, 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 and do it without having to, cut as much weight as I had to to make 141 and so I think that was kind of where I realized like I, I need to be at a weight class where I can maintain and feel good all year long um, and so that's where me and coach Bobby decided we needed to, to, to go to 149 and so it wasn't too too hard of a decision and and you know I just let my body I, I quit trying to bulk up and just let my body kind of you know um come back down to where it, it I guess naturally was going to be and so my my senior year wasn't wasn't an issue as far as having to cut um a ton of weight and uh, so I just felt more natural there and so that senior season was excellent there's only one loss in the regular season you make the NCAA finals with Zach Esposito as the opponent you know I've spoken to him in the past and he was very aware you were the guy that knocked him out in the round of 12 and said that it felt personal for him you know, I'll, I'll say he also mentioned how he got to know you afterwards and thought you were a yeah. great guy, but at the time it was a personal revenge type deal. What were your thoughts on having him as an opponent prior to the finals? Yeah, yeah. well, first off, Zach, Zach is an excellent guy, and I, I, it has been a pleasure getting to know him. You know, after we competed at, you know, at folk style, at collegiate level, we got to compete internationally and travel, and so... I got to know him a lot better, and he, he's a fantastic guy and just a, a remarkable competitor. And so, for sure, I know it was personal for him because I remember, you know, how personal it was for me to remember losing in the round of 12. And uh, and so, you know, I think all year long he had that in the back of his mind that, you know, he, I think he had, he, had, he had beaten everybody in a weight class pretty soundly outside of me, and we just hadn't competed since, you know, we were I was a sophomore and he was a freshman. And uh, my – you know, uh, that year I I, I called um, Dustin Minotti was was uh, uh, wrestled for Cornell and he was a fantastic uh, competitor as well and wrestler and I used to always call him my unicorn. Um, he was very very good at, at single leg shots and finishing and that was probably my biggest weakness was shot defense. And so you know I used to like literally just think about him and his shots all day long and I, I made up in my head that I needed to beat him. I needed to beat him before I, I could even think about Zach Esposito. And so, um, and I, and I had wrestled Zach before and I felt confident about my, you know, matchup with him style wise. And, and so the one that I really just focused on was, was Dustin Minotti and he had beat me. That was my, my lone loss in the, the regular season at the very beginning of the year. And so 
I got a chance to wrestle him in the EIWA finals, and I came off to a great start and was well ahead of him. And then he got back to his feet and started taking me down. And so the match ended up being a lot closer than what it should have been. And so, again, move, going heading into the NCAAs, the way that the seedings worked out, Zach was at the very top, I was at the bottom, and then Dustin Minotti was third seed. So, again, my focus was, was again, on Dustin Minotti because he, he was a really good wrestler, fantastic wrestler, four-time All-American. I think at a, you know, he, he might have even done it every, at, you know, four different weight classes. Um, but, uh, but, but he was uh, um, just a really good competitor, and that's really had, what I planned on most in that uh, leading up to the NCAAs was to wrestle him. And fortunately, I had a fantastic semifinals match against him. And um, and dominated him and and uh, and so it was right after that match they took us back and we had an interview uh, you know with with uh, reporters and things like that and I remember walking out being like oh man I I gotta I gotta prepare for for Zach Esposito and so so uh, Coach Barbie and I sat down and we watched a film that we had on him and and we talked about the game plan and so kind of going into the match I was very calm probably way too calm than I than I needed to be just because I was very confident in my strategy and I knew mm-hmm. what worked against him uh back in 2003 when we wrestled and so going heading into that match I was I was very confident and went right after my my offense and and he was waiting for it I I tried to do a little head snap shut by and he mm-hmm. stepped over me and and took me down right off of that uh and I remember that I could, I could, as, as soon as we started wrestling, when he did that, I could feel the sense of energy that he was wrestling, the sense of urgency that he had in that match. And, uh, cause, you know, he had also been in the NCAA finals a year before and lost to, um, uh, Jansen. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so he, he had that. He knew where he was. He knew what he had to do to win. And I think that caught me off guard a little bit. I, I, it didn't play out like I had thought it was going to play out. And I didn't adapt in that match like I should have. And I remember, slowly trying to work myself back up to my feet and he was very methodical he was very you know I didn't feel like he was trying to score on top he was just trying to keep me down um and so that was really frustrating for me because I didn't feel like I got back up to my feet and didn't allow myself to get back in the match uh until later and and at that point in time it you know you know he he was he knew he was close to to winning that and so it just was you know it's one of those matches I've never watched it um, mm-hmm. But I've played in my head all the time. I still play it all in my head all the time about what <laughs> what sure. should I've done, how should I adapt it on that match, and and uh, what could I've done. But you know, uh, short story long, he beat me, and he he came prepared for that match. And you know, like a true competitor, um, you know, he was gonna make. You know, he just out wrestled me. He out wrestled me, and um, he just was very. I could tell just from his energy how. It was almost like desperate. He was desperate to 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 score and to win that, and and uh, I didn't. I think I was too calm for that um, for that experience. I, I I didn't adapt to that level that he brought. Mm-hmm. Um, so after college, you did a lot of wrestling freestyle. You know, how was that lifestyle as a guy who wasn't you know necessarily the number one guy on the ladder, but someone who keeps grinding it out for years at a time. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's funny. My name was probably there for a long time, but I didn't wrestle a whole lot, like, consecutively. So, um, you know, 
in in um, in the military they have the program world class athlete program which allows athletes that in Olympic sports to compete if they're if they qualify. And so you know it was a tough decision because I'd spent four years at West Point. I wanted to be an infantry officer and I I was commissioned an infantry officer, but then I had this wonderful opportunity to wrestle. So I decided to do that. So I moved out to Colorado in, uh, in November, end of November of 2005. Terry Brands was the coach, um, and we had a number of really, really good um, wrestlers there at the place, Bill Zadig being one of them. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, it, I, I hadn't spent a whole lot of time and energy growing up wrestling freestyle. I wrestled a little bit, but, you know, I only went to Fargo once, and my training for Fargo was actually the Oklahoma Gold Camp where I met Coach Barbie. So I did not have a very extensive background in freestyle. And so um, it, was a, it was a wake-up call from that, from a strategic perspective as a wrestler, and then it was a wake-up call, um, just, just the lifestyle. Um, it was very different. I almost didn't know what to do. I had so much time. Um, you know, all I had to do was wrestle. And so that was very different mm-hmm. for me. And, I, you know, it was just a weird uh, transition from West Point and wrestling collegiate where I felt like I'd mastered my craft to, to being in Colorado Springs wrestling for Terry Brands uh, at the Olympic Training Center in freestyle. Um, and so it was it was very different for me. The rules were, 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 were different, and they, they changed like a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. but, yeah. uh, but I wrestled for about two and a half years um, in, in, uh, until the Olympic trial. And just at, the, at the, that 2008 year, I felt like I was starting to slowly get to where I was confident in parterre positions. And my feet was, was still, I was okay, but I wasn't where I needed to be. And then I had to take um, about two years off. I took a year off and deployed to Afghanistan. Um, I, had a, I had a wonderful experience uh, um, doing that. I, I enjoyed my deployment. It was tough. It was tough being away from the sport, but I followed it online. I knew what was going on. Um, and, uh, and then when I came back, I had to transition back into the WCAP program. So all in all, it was about two years off where I wasn't competing. Um, so from 2000 and, and uh, you know, eight, um, September 2008 to basically, you know, 2010, uh, September timeframe, you know, I was, I was not competing, wasn't even in there. And so, um, so for me to kind of, you know, catch back up was, was a little bit hard. Um, but, um, but I really dedicated a lot of time and I had the confidence and Terry Branch had, had moved back to uh, coach Iowa. So that was hard because I had developed a really good relationship with him. And I felt like I was, he knew, knew me as a wrestler. And so now I had to change back and we had a different coach, um, Brandon Slay. So I had to adjust mm-hmm. to that a little bit. And I was just a lot more mature, I think, uh, at this point in time in my career. And so I, 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 I understood what I needed to do to compete and get myself in a position where I could be on a national team and hopefully make a world team. Um, and so you start seeing some of the, when I was in 2008, we had a lot of older, really good competitors um, that ended up, you know, Chris Bono, Doug Schwab, Bill Zadig, uh, you know, just a lot of depth there, even Zach Esposito. And then a lot, you know, coming back to the next cycle, a lot of those guys had either retired or, or had been injured. And so it was a, a young new crop of individuals um, Ryan Torella, I'm sorry, Josh Torella, and then um, Metcalf had, had, you know, come onto the scene, and so there was a lot of newer, younger wrestlers. Um, so I, I felt always felt very good about competing against them, especially in the room. Um, I just never really got to the consistency in competitions that I needed to until the end of my uh, the 2000 
the summer of 2011, I got to train and, and compete in Ukraine and Azerbaijan, and I really started clicking then, and I felt very confident going into uh, the 2012 year. Um, and then at the Sunkist tournament, I uh, had a LCL uh, third degree um, sprain, and that put me out for about three months. Um, so then that just really took a lot out of me, and, and I tried to come back and. Um, you know, I came back and wrestled in 2012 Olympic trials, uh, put a put a good run together. It didn't didn't happen, and then I had to take six months off to to um, work in the military, and then I came back. And so so my career from an international from the international wrestling perspective, it looks like I was there for a long time, and uh, mentally I was there a long time. But um, but I really was my wrestling was kind of choppy, um, so mm-hmm. I didn't get to put together a lot of years. Um, uh, consistent years um, that I needed to, but uh, but that's the way it was. And, and uh, you know, from from a it's different because in college you got a smaller season, international seasons that are long, and they are grinding, and your body wears down. Um, and uh, and and for for me, I, I did feel even though I hadn't wrestled consistently, coming back in that second cycle, I was definitely felt like the older, mature because you had this new crop of young good wrestlers coming in and that. Uh, and I was like the old guy, <laughs> so you know, I, I, I guess I had to put a little bit more more tape on joints and and uh, and things like that. But um, but but it is hard. It is hard on your body to do that for a long period of time. And uh, I found records you competing as recently as I think the 2013 World Team Trials. Uh, yeah. When did you When did you decide to call it quits? And uh, was there a specific reason that brought you to the decision? Yeah, well, I'll never say I quit. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, probably you know, a bad word. No, that's all right. But in my head, I, I think, man, I'm still competitive. I, I still would love to, you know, to start training again. I, you know, I think I'll always think that I can just put my shoes on and start training and get back to the level I need to, although that might not be realistic. Um, 2013 was my worst, toughest year, I should say. Um, 2013, I had, had to take, you know, um, six months off, um, for, for the military, and then when I came back, um, right as I was coming back, my oldest son, I, I, I'd been married, got married. When I came back from Afghanistan, I got married um, and, uh, and and had uh, two beautiful boys right off the bat, and then um, my uh, – so heading into 2013, right as I started competing, my oldest son got um, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, um, and and, uh, and then we me and my wife had my had our third son um, and so there was a lot of life changing things that happened that year and it was really really tough you know to balance the travel and the focus that you had to to put into competing and training every day and so no knowing knowing the husband that I wanted to be for my wife and the father that I want to be for my children I think I struggled mentally um, committing uh, myself 100% to that. And so while my results weren't bad in 2013, um, it was very subpar what I thought physically and mentally I should have been um, competing at the level I should have been competing at. Um, and so it was it was a really it was probably my my least fun year I've ever wrestled. Um, and I think just because I, I I I wrestled mentally in my head with 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 wanting to commit to the sport and get back to where I knew I should be competing, you know, trying to make the national team. But then also knowing that that you know my family was happening and um, and 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 there was you know just a lot going on you know that I needed to to take care of and so that's kind of ultimately what led me to, to the decision that I felt you know for me to to you know my priorities in life you know God and family and and I, I needed to give 
uh, my family the time that it deserved, and I, I felt like it wouldn't be wouldn't be fair to do try to compete at the level I knew I needed to do and and get to that area where where it's just a very you have to be selfish at that level in, in some ways um, to 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 reach the top, and I think I just wasn't willing to do that at that point in my life when you know when it got all these things happening. And so it was very, very bittersweet. It was a tough year for me. I didn't compete where I, the way I wanted to, needed to, um, and, and I didn't get to leave the sport like I wanted to on a high note. It was a very, very sad note. And um, but you know, the, the, you know, there's been a lot of joy that's come come after. You know, I, I've got a you know beautiful wife. She's wonderful. And I got um, just had my fifth fifth child. I got four boys and a little girl. Wow. And so there's a lot of great things that have you know that have that have uh, you know life has presented to me so it's not all sad but um you know and I, I still stay involved with uh you know my dad's still the coach at my high school and, and my brother Patrick who was right below me is um the assistant coach there with my dad and so you know when I can I try to go help out and be and still be around um and then I, I just started helping out with a little kids wrestling um my oldest son John Philip um who was diagnosed with diabetes he's he's uh five years old and so he comes and plays around on the mat and so it kind of is get keeping me involved, but, um, but I for sure miss the competitive, uh, feeling that you get when you're getting ready to, to wrestle on a tournament and, and compete against some, you know, just really competitive top athletes, you, you know, is it, you, you know, you, you don't realize how amazing that is until you, you don't get to do that. So you've had some time now to look back at your college career and your name is all over the army wrestling book record book. Um, you know, how, Important or special is it for you to be known as one of the all-time greats in the history of Army wrestling? Um, yeah, I, I, I probably sounds sounds funny, but I, I, honestly, I haven't haven't put a lot of thought into it. Um, I, I don't. The only thing I, I feel like I probably think more about my losses um, than I ever do about my wins, and that's not probably a fun thing, a, a good thing. I wish I didn't think that way, um, but. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm proud of the fact more on how I did that than the fact that I did it. Um, I think mm-hmm. I think it can be done. You know, I think there will hopefully be wrestlers. Kevin Morris, the coach there now, is doing a fantastic job. I hope there are more wrestlers that come behind, you know, and, and are able to do, you know, similar or even better feats. And, you know, I hope we get a national champion, um, you know. So, you know, from, from a, I, I guess I'm proud of the way I did it and knowing that, you know, I, I you know, Juggled all the things that I juggled and still was successful, and I didn't. I didn't accept defeat, um, but I don't dwell on it a lot. And I, I you know, I honestly, I don't even. Um, it's funny. I, my wife has put up some 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 pictures, uh, you know, for for my sons to see of me wrestling, and it's weird because I, I don't I don't have anything displayed. I don't have any of that stuff, and I just I don't think about those kind of things. Um, but I do go to bed thinking about you know some of my losses to. Uh, you know, one of them being the NCAA finals, you know, that one stings. And there's some, you know, in the international scene that that I think about that stings. Um, so I think that's just a competitor in me. Um, but uh, but, I, but I'm honored to, you know, I guess to, to be uh, thought of as one of the better, you know, Army wrestlers that have come through the program. I just hope uh, there's some more to come that, that will will take my name off that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the last question I have for you, and it's always a good one. Um, how would you like for fans of the sport to remember you and your career as a competitor? Um, wow, that's a good one. 
You know, I, I think hopefully, uh, you know, if, if they do remember me, I, I'm, I'm long gone and, and uh, you know, in, in the in the dust. But uh, but if they do remember me, I, I hope they remember that, that I, I enjoyed wrestling. I was very aggressive. I loved to score points. Um, and I hope they remember how I carried myself off the mat. I, I think that was important. I wanted to be – I wanted to do it the right way. Um, and, uh, you know, ho- hopefully I represented my family, my state, um, and, and my school, West Point, well. Uh, and hopefully, you know, I'll, also I hope people know that you can, you know, you can be successful and compete at a at a military academy, um, and you can have a great career afterwards, and and you can compete in the international level. Um, so I, I guess those are the kind of things that I would hope that that if people did remember me, they'd remember. Um, and it was it sure was fun, and I you know I've, I've uh, you know I've, I feel so blessed to have been given you know enough talent to to compete uh, in a sport like wrestling and, uh, and have made such great friendships, even against competitors uh, that I've wrestled against um, along the way. You know, there's, there's nothing quite like it. Okay. That's all I have. Is there anything else that you would like for people to know about you, your wrestling career, you know, whatever the floor is open for you? Yeah. Thanks, Earl. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for giving me, you know, uh, this time and allowing me to, to talk and, Obviously, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, wrestling, we're a, a tough bunch of people and, and, uh, it's a small world. And so, I, you know, you know, one of the things is I, I always enjoy, you know, reconnecting with, with, uh, with, with, with either fans or, um, and spectators or, or competitors. And so, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll be able to continue to stay involved with the sport and, uh, and give back to some degree and, and see, uh, see many of the people that, uh, supported me. And uh, and watch me from afar. Hopefully, we you know I'll, I'll be able to stay in touch and reconnect with some of these people. And um, I appreciate you doing doing stuff like this for the sport. I think it's great. And uh, and the more we can continue to elevate the, the this sport to the level I believe it should be at, with in terms of with respect and and uh, an opportunity, um, I, I think that's very important. And so uh, thanks for all you do, and I appreciate you giving me your time. All right, thank you to Philip Simpson for joining us on Sudden History. That was great talking with Philip Simpson, truly an awesome guy. I'll give you some behind-the-scenes stuff. Originally, I called him last week to tape the episode. Well, lo and behold, two questions into it, I realize I'm not recording. We attempt to start over, and I have some more issues with the software I use and just ended it right there. Again, luckily, he was very patient with me and let me call back a few days later when my problems were all taken care of. I felt pretty bush league about the whole situation, but he agreed to talk with me anyways, and it ended up being great. As we're wrapping up, if you have show feedback, hit me on Twitter at D1CW or at Sudden History for the show. Remember to check out everything on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. I'm particularly excited about the new show on the network, the PA Power Podcast. Those guys are super knowledgeable about the Pennsylvania wrestling scene. Even though I was pretty excited about putting some new sound clips in for the intro, we're still going to close it out with Greg Jones, so take us away. How the hell do I get off this stage?